0: Hello and welcome to the podcast Self-Realization Now What? This is the 10th episode, no 11th, I'm sorry, I made a mistake last time. So 11th episode, it might be the end of season one. I'm not sure yet, but uh, there may be a pause for a while. So in this episode, I'm really excited to present to you Ray Bratcher. I came ac- up across Ray's podcast and I listened to his episode called Lucid Dreaming. It was wonderful. It's a wonderful, clear illustration of the possibility of consciousness is all there is. And um, so I invite you to listen to his podcast if you feel inspired by the conversation here. And I hope you enjoy this conversation. All right. So I am here with Ray Bratcher. How, how do I pronounce that, Ray? That's
1: correct, Bratcher.
0: Okay. Ray is doing bread work. He's working with people for session. And uh, I will put the link of his uh, uh, channel uh, in the description of the conversation. I wanted to speak with Ray because I came across one of his podcasts. And I've listened to to the whole thing and it made me feel joyful. And I uh, resonated a lot with what was said in the podcast. And I contacted Ray to have a conversation about this precise subject. And the podcast, Ray, was um, about um, uh, lucid dreaming.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Tell me a bit about the context when you um, had the inspiration to record that podcast, how it came to you and what was the, what was the, the reflection about it in it?
1: Well, I guess you could say that um, um, when I started doing breath work, it's, it's kind of a, a personal growth, self-improvement path and you let go of um, false limiting beliefs, core negatives one at a time. In, in, in the breathwork school that I was trained in, they would refer to it as peeling the onion and you're peeling the onion one layer at a time. And I, I began to, for various reasons, I was wondering, well, isn't there a way to, to um, like get to the heart of the root of the ego And with an axe, and just chop it down in one fell swoop, instead of doing this one layer at a time, because (laughs) it seemed like that way just took forever. Yes. And um, and and so that's what brought me to altering the rebirthing process to something that I that I was guided to call sacred breath, and that got to the root of the ego and cut it in one fell swoop. But part of that process was feeling. The, the energy in the body and dealing with core negatives, not as thoughts that you work with trying to overcome or you know doing affirmations to try to convince yourself that they're not true and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. but working with it strictly as energy, purely as energy in the body. And then as you're going about your daily life. Whenever you have a perception arising in your in your perceptual field of something that you're judging as um, wrong or bad, that has a corresponding effect of a kind of an energy that you can feel arising in your body, and then you you deal with that energy there on the spot, and it it shows you that what you're judging as bad in your perception is just um, a label that you're putting on it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that kind of led to the insight that all of these um, apparent proofs or, you know, where evidence seems to arise in our daily life that we're separated from source they're false evidence it's misleading evidence it's not true which means basically um you're living in a dream world that mm-hmm. telling you things that are not true because they're just a dream mm-hmm. and i've had i had i've had not lucid dreams are not all that rare lots of people have had them Mm-hmm. And I've had two or three, but there was one in particular where I really saw in the course of the lucid dream how the um, your consciousness interacts with the um, uh, unreal mm-hmm. things coming into your senses. Like, it, it's not real. It's a mm-hmm. dream. It's obviously mm-hmm. not real, and you're having a kind of conscious your consciousness is interacting interplay there's an interplay between your consciousness and this w- world that you've created that's completely made up it's just a dream hmm. and i saw like this one to one correlation of the lucid dream that you have at night when you're asleep and the dream that you have during the day when you think you're you, you think you're awake and you're walking around in your in your village. In
0: your dream world.
1: In your dream world. Yes. And so that was the, that was why I started talking about um, how lucid dreams work on that podcast.
0: Yes, and it resonated a lot with me. And I love um, hearing you about the breath work. How it is, um, you go directly to the sensation, and there is no uh, label. There is no. There's nothing, there's no story about it. It's a sensation and it can be felt. Right. And it it, it seemed that this can bring someone to be really aware. Oh, yeah. there's that thought. There's that sensation. And if I go directly to the sensation, is there really anything really wrong?
1: Right, exactly. And people, breathwork sessions get you totally relaxed. So you're not efforting to make anything happen. You're not fighting anything. You're not trying to um, force yourself to think the way you think you ought to based on what people are telling you or what self-improvement books you've read are telling you you're supposed to do. You're just totally relaxed. You're not trying to make anything happen. And then because you're totally relaxed, the, the negative thoughts that you've kept stuffed down your whole life can gently come to the surface, but they don't threaten you. You know, you you originally suppressed them because you didn't want to look at them because they felt threatening or they were mm-hmm. fear you for some reason. But now you're completely relaxed, and they just come up, and you just observe them and you, as energy. And um, people can have like insights to how that all started and why there's no necessity to hang on to it anymore you know that that maybe they've been working on it their whole life and never could have any kind of a breakthrough and then suddenly it's it's easy it just mm-hmm. happens if you're just completely relaxed and you're just watching the the energy play
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in in my experience um there was a realization that I, I could I could see and realize that when I engage in my thinking, I was asleep. That I was just falling asleep into thinking about reality, but what thinking about reality is not reality. So, mm. so the map say, the map is not the
1: territory.
0: Yes. So the 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 dream is is the same principle. I like this analogy of the dream. You suddenly realize, oh, okay, I am dreaming this. And uh, I, I, I had to smile when you brought the question in your podcast. Should I try to wake up the other character? Yeah. <laughs> so, it's it's quite interesting when we start to look at that from that angle. Can 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 the character be awakened and? And um, what was the what was the felt sense when you were in lucid dreaming? I'm speaking about that instance when you were in the lucid dream, awake in the dream. Uh,
1: so at, at w- when the so when I woke, so when I woke up inside the dream, you mean? Yes. And, and the dream continued, but I now knew that I was dreaming. I looked around like this is a dream. Yes, Um, the the main thing that I noticed was that I suddenly had greater access to my total consciousness than I did before I woke up in the lucid dream. I was trying to get this document to some lawyer's office in Colorado, and that was like the only reason for my existence. That was the only thing that mattered. It was this hugely, you know, it was this quest that I was obsessed with. And um, um, and it, it felt like um, I was perfectly normal. I mean, I felt like in the dream, the dream character had felt like it was me, normal. me. Mm-hmm. Everything's great. Everything's fine. I like, just got to do this. It's really important. I was getting irritated that other people didn't seem to realize how important it was. Nobody seemed to care. Then after I woke up in the dream, I'm still dreaming, but now I'm I know it's a dream and I'm awake. It was like the guy sleeping in the bed and suddenly instead of having access to like 10% of his consciousness, mm-hmm. I had access to all of his consciousness. So now I was like more fully myself and I knew, you know what? This piece of paper is not all that important. I mean, yeah. and it wasn't just because it was a dream. And Now I know it's a dream, so it actually it doesn't matter at all because it's not real. But even because I'm like even though I know it's a dream I'm playing along with the dream and even within the context of the dream it wasn't all that important it was yeah. just the dream character before I woke up was like the little tiny aspect of me that's concerned with doing things right and doing what you're supposed to do and getting jobs done and that was in all, that was the, the entire consciousness there was nothing yes. else mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I had access to more consciousness and um i realized that wasn't that important and so i think when you wake up in this world you have access to more consciousness so you're not so um tightly identified with the pre-awake consciousness that is um
0: fully engage in the fully engaged,
1: fully identified because it needs to do that in order to maintain the separation,
0: yes, yeah, yes. Um, it needs to achieve things, yeah. go somewhere, and it's very important
1: because now is never good enough. It always has to get to the next moment to make it better.
0: Yes, because it feels like something is missing, and in reality, something is missing our our true expensive non-separate yeah identity is is unknown or unrealized,
1: yeah, yeah. and it's like the harder you the harder the ego searches for that, the further away from it it gets.
0: Yes, it's um, the search that is taking us away. Yeah, yeah. So this, yes.
1: So, you know, that's like, you know, uh, um, getting into all the details of like how I went from rebirthing breath work to sacred breath and peeling the onion to cutting the tree and working with the energies and all of that. Before we get lost in the weeds, I just want people to know that what we're talking about is the end of suffering. Yes. 99% of human suffering, you generate it yourself. You do it to yourself. And I think if people could just find a way to stop doing that, even if they don't wake up, you can still stop doing that. And um, the vibrate if I mean, if everybody did it, the vibration of the world would skyrocket because we've yes. not already generating so much suffering for ourselves all the time.
0: Yes, it's our, it's, in myself, it feels we are fueling the suffering with our own consciousness, our own mm-hmm. energy. And so we're doing it to ourselves without knowing.
1: Every, every time someone comes to me for sessions, it's just hard to get the image out of my mind of, uh, um, Ray Bradbury's poem about Christ crucifying himself. He's on the cross with his hand on the, on the board and his other hand has the hammer and is driving the nail in. We're crucifying ourselves and mm-hmm. people come to me and basically my job is to get them to stop doing this. Yes. It hurts when I put this nail on my hand. Well then stop putting the nail on your hand. Oh wow, you're amazing.
0: <laughs> yes. I um I heard uh, in in when realization came upon me like, oh, maybe there's something else than just this me identity. That's there's there's always someone in the middle of the problem and it's me. Isn't it <laughs> bizarre? That <laughs> I am always in the middle of it. And um I heard in a book It's as if you're turning the pipe of water on your head and you're wondering why you are wet. (laughs) So it's very, very simple to start to be aware of that. And then it seems that through this process, the tendency to do it loosen more and more. Yeah. It's as if you realize that it takes effort to suffer.
1: That's a good point. Yeah, you have to work at it.
0: And you start to... Because I invite people to practice being effortless, residing in effortlessness, allowing this vibration of effortlessness, spontaneity, to be here. And it's weird because I say, yes, it's weird that we have to practice that, but we've been practicing effort for so long. Yeah, it's kind of having, we we start to relax that muscle of effort.
1: Yeah, yeah. I guess we, we, it's like we get into a habit after a whole life devoted to that.
0: Yes, we are very well trained and, and habitual, yeah. And everything is pointing, um, we're bombarded with this idea that we have to make effort to, to be better to go somewhere achieve and attain things even enlightenment or awakening. <laughs> so uh, I like this this image of the of the lucid dream and then so it doesn't mean that the dream is not continuing to happen. It's just that the investment in in the, in needing to change it or manipulate it, It drops. It's
1: yes, and I think also it's like if you know when you know you're dreaming and that it's not real, the suffering goes down because you 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 don't see it as a threat and you don't identify with the idea of the suffering dream character.
0: Yes, yes, and um, that seems to to have an effect on the energy field obviously because if i am um, i was totally identified with um, me i needed to be understood and be seen and be recognized and and my i was creating suffering because i was constantly projecting on my partner that he needed to, to understand me and to see me and love me and and those demand that they, they could never be met because it's illusory to to put onto someone else the happiness that you're looking for and as i stopped doing that i started receiving love and understanding So I was astonished. Now I'm not doing anything and everything that I wanted to have or the me, the separate me wanted to have, is now coming in.
1: Well, yeah, because, you know, you you have thoughts that something needs to change and that places a certain kind of energy in your energy field, which then attracts anything that's going to resonate with that energy. So you bring more, what you resist persists.
0: Yes, you bring bring more more
1: of of what you're trying to get rid of by trying to get rid of it. So when you just accept, relax and accept it all, you don't have that energy. And now your energy is instead of pushing, trying to push away what you don't like, it's just accepting. And that accepting energy resonates differently than the rejecting energy. So you bring in more into your experience of what you're happy to accept
0: yes so it's it's uh less effort it's uh it's an allowing and and the the, th- the thing if we look closely the the only thing that can be in the way of that is a thought that this mm. is too good to be true yeah yeah that that the garden of eden is really here it's available to anyone and now
1: yeah you can go from the nightmare of the ego to the happy dream of the Holy Spirit is the way The Course in Miracles puts it.
0: Yes. And, and
1: the whole thing, um, like uh, L- Leonard Orr used to say that, 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 that um, what you said just now about um, it's too good to be true reminded me of this. You know, people... Everything will be going, everything will be going great. They'll be thinking about how great everything is. And, then, and, and their thoughts create their reality. So they're constantly bringing in good experiences. And then at some point they say to themselves, it's too good to be true. And that's a negative thought. And that starts to downward spiral. And things get worse and worse and worse until at the bottom they say, it's so bad it couldn't possibly get any worse. And that's a positive thought. And then they spiral up and keep having good stuff. And then they get to the top again, and they think it's too good to be true. And they go down. And at the bottom, it couldn't get any worse. And people will cycle back and forth between, and it could be a daily cycle, or it could be like a seven-year cycle. Um, But generally speaking, um, people who aren't working intentionally with their consciousness just sort of accidentally cycle up and down between those two thoughts. It's too good to be true. And it can't possibly get any
0: worse. <laughs> yes, and I'm laughing, and it's not funny. And I know because I was there, I did suffer through my life from unconsciousness. And when the realization came, the first thing that came to mind is oh, that's what Jesus meant. They're not conscious. Forgive them, for they mm-hmm. do not know what they're doing. Yeah and uh can we then reside there because we may realize this and we get invitation into believing that this is not it that there is more work to do that that, that the gift is not really freely given it's uh the gift of life just life being
1: yeah.
0: already whole What I find magical is when we start to be able to reside there, when we meet in the form, in, 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 in our separate, unique expression, that brings it to a whole new level to have this relative experience from that open space of being. I, I would like to, to hear about your thoughts about that.
1: You, um you mean like when like two people meeting and and like we're both uh I think it I think it elevates the quality of the relationship and interaction if both people are able to like not come at the interaction from a place of fear and separation, but from a place of knowing you're speaking to yourself and whatever you're saying to them is like the perfect thing for them to hear and whatever they're saying to you is the perfect thing for you to hear. Um, it's, It's like even after awakening, we still have a form you know, we still use the bathroom, we still have to eat, we still have to sleep, so we're not like ascended masters with light bodies going, you know, disappearing into to heaven and coming back, um, so you, you, you honor the form, you, you, um, uh, yeah, I don't know, you honor the form, you deal with the fact that you still have a form, other people have forms, um, um, but the interactions between those forms doesn't have to be the competitive, conflict-ridden, separ- separate and separating um, kind of energetic, you know, relationship yeah. that we've been, like the human race has been doing for the past 10,000 years. Yes. Because, right. And I feel like we're moving to a new way of being with each other. And um, it, it, it you know, there's going to be boundaries. There's going to be for the requirements of your form. Um, and we have to learn how to navigate those with this new understanding. But at least the core essence of it is coming from a place of unity and love yes and not from a place of fear and if you get what you want that's less for me because none yeah. of that is true
0: yeah and scarcity and yeah
1: we're just getting i think we're just we just have to it's like a it's a relatively new way of being in the world for most yes. of us yes and we just have to learn how to do it yeah.
0: Yes, yes, it's extraordinary. And what I feel is that the underneath ground, the the ground of those relationships is equanimity, equality, no hierarchy. Because if you don't adopt this idea of separation, there is no one that is better or worse. So we're all equal and unique expression. Right. And each unique expression is as beautiful as the other one. It's not that your own expression is better, and this expression is not good and that one is better so the 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 foundation of those relationships is and you it's beautiful to realize that even if you are if if I am alone in that, but everyone I meet. I meet from there, and when two person or more are consciously meeting from there, that's where I feel the magic is. Even more. That, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and you know, yeah, and um, and sometimes it, you know, I remember Jesus said, were well, two or more gathered in my name, there I am also." And sometimes I will I would notice like you could be in a group that's pra- like a Bible study group or of Course a Miracle Study Group or a meditation group. And sometimes you could I could you could feel the energy shift. Like everybody comes in and they're all egos and stressed out. And then you sit for just a few moments, and the energy in the whole room will just shift, and everybody is has risen up to a higher level
0: yes yes i've had that experience as well in the training where i trained to become a deep coach and deep coaching foundation is presence and as we met everyone got nourished yeah from there and it feels like in in myself awakening it feels like you have to to go in it alone. No one will give it to you. No one can take you there. And at the same time, we're walking each other home. Yeah. Both.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's kind of like you can um, show people the door, but they have to step through it.
0: Yes. Yes. And And then also realize that there is no door that really yeah there is this impression at some point I want to I had this feeling in myself a a year or so ago that I want to cross this there's something that I seem to have to cross and I really want to but there was this impression that there was an edge that I couldn't go through this and then at some point Mm -hmm there There is this realization, okay, it's the gateless gate. um I am building this wall, and I feel that I need to cross it. so it's even to to even get to that point that there really is nothing yeah to cross it's already full, but there there is a process because we are habitually engaged in our in our. Opinion and thinking and i the, the the habitual reflex of I know this yeah. and and you mentioned that in the in the podcast that you have to let go of all that you know and that that really like I felt so joyful when I heard that I was like, yes yes yeah,
1: yeah. that's a, a... <clears throat> Well, I think I said it's a small price to pay. You just have to let go of everything you think you know.
0: Yes, and that no, that that was never real anyway. So
1: right, so it doesn't. It's really not. You're really not giving up anything.
0: Yeah, you're not giving up anything in reality. Well, there seems to be some uh, momentum of awakening. I, I um. Well, there seems to be that, but in a sense, maybe not, because in my reality, there was none of that before, and now that that there was some expansion of consciousness, there is more of that now so so it's the resonance as well that that brings us to meet more and more people that resonate with that same energy
1: um. Yeah, it could just be that you notice it more after. Yeah. A thing. Uh I I sometimes I hear other people saying they think it's happening. I don't know.
0: Yeah, maybe I've, maybe. I've done
1: yeah. any kind of a like a scientific study and counted us. So I.
0: Yeah. I there. There seems yeah. it seems to become more accessible. Um, mm-hmm. The information is available and it's. Um, Simple. That like
1: Just just people knowing the existence of a different way yes. is by turning on their cell phone. Yeah. It's probably very helpful.
0: Yes. If and if there's out, a, if, yes. If
1: you don't look for what you don't know is, is out there.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: Get them started, I guess.
0: Yes, that's how it came about for me because I was not looking into anything relating to non-duality. I was just done. Like I felt I can't do this anymore. It's too hard. I'm suffering. I don't know why. I don't know what's happening. It doesn't make sense. It started to feel like, well, I'm safe. I have all I need. I have enough food. I have friends. I have. Fem-. It doesn't make sense that I still suffer. And it right. felt quite hopeless, in fact. Yeah. Like, I can't figure out why and what's wrong with me. Something must be wrong with me because everyone seemed okay. And I'm really, really not okay with this. So, yeah, I
1: mean, that, that's actually, you know, I mentioned that on the podcast. I talked about how um, you've done this for thousands of lives, thousands of lifetimes. You've done this. And if you're listening to this podcast, it's because you've gotten to the point. Where you're saying to yourself, um, "Something is wrong. There must be a better way." Yeah, you just yeah, you we know, we 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 do we do the same thing over and over and over again, and we still suffer. Like we think, you know, like yeah. if you believe, I like, I believe I believe in past, in like past lifetimes, but I actually think there's no such thing as time, so they actually all happen at the same time. But you mm-hmm. might have had like some medieval lifetime where you suffer because you starved to death. So now, this lifetime, you're not, that's not a problem. So you think you've got to handle, it, but you're still suffering. And eventually, you realize well, no matter what, yeah. you're going to suffer. You suffer. And then you, at, at a certain point, you just um, get sick and tired of it.
0: And yeah.
1: you, this isn't working. And, you know, what's, there's got to be a different way. And that's going to be trying to find that different way
0: yes it feels as if um the mind itself comes to its own exhaustion like ah, oh! yeah yeah and um it might yes i resonate with what you're saying because in in my life it felt like i tried everything i did this i did that and i did this and it's not this and it's not that And I've acquired this and I thought this would make me happy and it's still not it. And um, so I was not seeking through non-duality directly. I didn't know anything about that. I never heard of it, but I was seeking happiness like everyone. I was seeking through acquisition and success and achievement, safety. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then I... Yeah, I felt I was paying a price for that safety and that was my freedom. So uh, I came upon a book. So yes, it's more available. I came upon a book. And probably also collectively, we're starting to realize if everyone that is rich, is if money was bringing happiness, everyone that is rich would be happy. And it's quite obvious that they're not.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So there is more collective consciousness around these these materialistic it doesn't mean that it's wrong to have things it's just that you realize that they, they're not, it's not the things that will bring you happiness
1: yeah, yeah, I mean yeah, have the things for the purpose and function of the things, you know um uh, driving in a kia or driving in a lamborghini either one will get you to where you're going but having a car is nicer than having to walk if you've got a long distance to go so the function of it is to let you be able to go a long distance comfortably um if you start to acquire, if you want to acquire the Lamborghini because your ego needs the status inflation of, of that, then you're not going to find happiness there, even though you might look for your happiness there. Mm-hmm. So, it's like, it's okay to have things for their for the purpose and function that they're supposed to have in your life, but not to look to those things for the source of your happiness, because that's never, because you're not going to find it there
0: yes and then and um, inversely and quite amazingly it feels here that everything is more appreciated <laughs> like this little plant is I'm grateful for that plant I'm grateful for the phone I'm grateful for the microphone which b- before there was never enough things so I needed more things
1: yeah because you're focused on the now So you yes can... Gr- gratitude and appreciation arise in the now.
0: Yes. And when, when there is nothing to find, there's nothing to achieve, it feels like it's enough. There, Everything is enough already. So it's a, yeah, it's a beautiful, I really hope people can see the simplicity of it and start to investigate, investigate directly what is my experience and where is suffering when I don't identified with the thought or the emotion or myself, me where there is uh, it's le- there is less energy I feel the the relaxation of uh, of adopting this identity that I have to protect and defend freeze your energy to do something else, like talking on this podcast right now,
1: yeah, for no yeah.
0: reason. Other than enjoyment and, and sharing.
1: Yeah, because and if 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 you if you're not if you don't have gratitude and appreciation for what you have now, then you're thinking about how it could be better in the future. So your mind is in the future, which hasn't happened yet, while your life is taking place in the present. So you're actually absent from your life. Mm. And people can spend their entire lives being mentally in the future and not present while their life is... T- they miss their own lives.
0: Yes, yes, yes. That, that was my case. I was often... It's a mechanism that, that I've learned and then that that I had learned is to... I was always projecting in the future it will be all right if i control this if i achieve this then i will be all right the search for comfort or safety or so as i was projecting always in the future (laughs) my partner was telling me could you just stop before bringing on another project and another things to do and another place to go So he was already more present than I was. And I told him that recently that he said, Yeah, I was trying. (laughs) But here I was always looking for the next moment. And at some point I realized could I accept to receive what is already here? This idea that my partner was not giving me enough of uh understanding or gift or whatever I was expecting of other can I start to see that he's giving in fact a lot and that I'm not seeing it and that really started to change things because I could now see oh yeah wow what a beautiful gift he just is mm-hmm. very thoughtful he bought me a nice gift and and prior, prior would be like I, I would need a better gift or more gift. And and or then I know. yeah, started to see allowing this to be enough, and in that it's becoming more and more beautiful. Mm. <laughs> So um when was this lucid dream?
1: When did I have it? Yes. Oh um no, I I don't I don't I don't remember. I don't know. Um not in terms of like a year. Um, um the I had the dream before my awakening and then after my awakening I realized the connection between lucid dreaming and awakening and and saw that it was a and, and began to think you know maybe like uh, um, our our dreams and our lucid dreams are like little alarm clocks or Easter eggs in a video game that we as consciousness pre plant is like to wake it to wake, you know. I'm, I'm okay, I'm gonna go into this dream and hallucinate that I'm separated from source and everybody's a, an ego separate from me. But at some point, I wanna wake up. So I'm gonna leave myself a little clues. Yes,
0: breadcrumbs, eh?
1: Breadcrumbs so I can find my way back. And so that's so after the awakening, I was like, that was a breadcrumb.
0: Yes yes
1: people you know even if you haven't had a lucid dream i think you you know it's easy enough to find you know look up you know go on google lucid dream and and it's not that hard to understand and people that even even people that have not had a lucid dream could could um use it as a metaphor for understanding awakening
0: yes yes yeah yes you can uh
1: podcast um After I had one or two, I looked them up, and and actually, I've seen books where you can teach yourself to lucid dream. I never did that. I don't know if it works or not, but if people were interested, they could find that information as well. But um, So I looked up about lucid dream, and people would talk about the sensationalistic aspects of it, about how once you know you're dreaming, you can take control of it, or you're getting a uh, you get run over by a car and your body gets all mashed up, but you don't feel any pain, you don't suffer, you just say you're just like, wow, look at this is really interesting. So those are like the sensationalistic aspects of it, like as a form of entertainment that you can have fun with. But I never saw anybody talking about what to me was the most interesting thing was the change in consciousness. Mm-hmm. How guy in the dream before he woke up. Was a fraction of the consciousness of the guy in the dream after he woke up, mm. and then, like I even in the dream, I was wondering, okay, now I think I'm fully awake. I've got access to 100% of the consciousness of the guy asleep in the bed right now. But a few minutes ago, when I before I woke up, I thought I was 100% consciousness then. Yes. It felt like I was, but obviously I wasn't. It feels like I am now, but how do I know? Yeah. I think if we ever completely wake up from the dream and have access to our to universal consciousness, then we'll realize that um, uh, we what we have access to now is not the full story. It's not yes. all of it. There's yes.
0: More. Yes. There is more. Yes. How do I know again, eh? Yeah. There is, um, in the lucid dream, in the dream, we um, we don't have the same uh, relationship with time and space. Eh? It's possible to, there's no physical limitation. You can fly, you can jump. So space is yeah. non-existent in a sense of it's not a barrier. And time is just collapsed. It's You can look at 50 years, it takes a second. And then and then with awakening, there's this realization around time as well that you know a thought is just arising now, and those 50 years they now seem condensed to just a moment or a thought. Right. That I used to I used to I started to have this breadcrumb when I was doing ultra running. I would be running for a very, very long time, and then after I you know, during the run, I will never do this again. <laughs> and then, after the run, oh, it wasn't so bad <laughs> I could do it again. And um the time that the, that at last like six hours now seems to be very just non-existent,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. um, yeah, I've noticed the same thing. Time and space are a lot a a lot a, a lot more fluid not not like etched in granite like they used to be for me they're they're seem very malleable i' just yeah they're they're not like fixed quantities anymore they're just where you need it to be
0: yes yes and um space everything is immediately here so it's the idea of space and and all of these ideas, they start to be questioned when you when you start to question the validity of the truth of thoughts and, yeah. and where time and space arises with thoughts. I'm going somewhere, I'm doing something. When will this happen? How long will it take? They're, they're not present, they're just yes, there is a difference between presence and, and the and the time and space that gives us the idea that we're going somewhere, but we're always here even while we seemingly going somewhere the body is moving but i'm always here there is always this presence here it's right. we can never not be here <laughs> yeah it's uh, right yeah it's a beautiful um exploration and if if anyone is open there's nothing to fear in it's starting to explore this in uh... as, as a young child i felt held uh, not no yeah. i felt held by unconditional love as a young child i never i never bought into religion religion and judgment and shame i i bought into it in fact i i lived it as a, in a, in the sense of separation but as a young child there was this playfulness and this what are these people really worried about like is it really serious and and uh, I couldn't I couldn't believe that God was judging us I always felt that we were held in in love that that there was nothing wrong that we did nothing wrong and and, yeah. and our being is pure. Yeah. We did nothing wrong. The mind may tell us you did something wrong. you're wrong. you should be better. you should, but that's 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 the realm of separation. That's not the realm of of God presence, yeah
1: yeah, mm-hmm. I, mean, I was the way you know yeah, I had like um. You know, grandmothers, we go visit them for Christmas or Thanksgiving. So I had like grandmothers who were like in very fundamentalist Christian churches and they had magazines with The End of the World Will Be Tomorrow. Uh, but I also had my, my parents were not particularly religious, but they made my brother and I go to Sunday school because it got us, got us out of their hair for a couple hours every Sunday. And I had the great fortune that the minister, this church was pretty um, fundamentalist, but the minister was glowing with love. All he ever talked about was love. Oh. All he ever, his whole, he never talked about hellfire and brimstone and sin. He only talked about love. And I guess, I think he must have had some kind of genuine mystical experience that just transformed him. So between his, his, um he, being exposed to that at a young age, and then uh, like seeing the how miserable the my grandmothers were that were into this. Well, one of them anyway. The, the other one I had a grandmother. She was like her face glowed, and she was always praying, and um, always talking about love and um, um, uh, and we went to spend the summer with her. And I brought my tie. I'm like eight years old. I brought my tie because I just assumed we are going to be going to church three times a week. And we (laughs) never went. (laughs) Finally, one Sunday, I said, Grandma, don't don't you go to church? And she said, well, the minister, he means well, bless his heart. So she she had outgrown her church.
0: Oh, yes. Yes. Wow. Um,
1: and so when I would look at these really um, like these apocalyptic religion, religious take on things, I could never take it seriously. And, but it didn't bother me. I was like, okay, so that's what they think. I, know, I wonder why they think that. It's kind of a weird thing to be thinking that God is going to like, you know, Punch. push everybody. But um, okay, fine. It's like I didn't react against it like a lot yeah, of people yeah. atheists cuz they react against that childhood con- that mm. kind of kind of going through an adolescent rebellion thing. I didn't react against it but I didn't go along with it. I just sort of like, you know, okay, that's
0: yeah.
1: that's a funny story, I'm not going to buy it, but okay, good. And but the love was still there.
0: And, yes. and mm. trying
1: to like turn the other cheek, forgive. Mm. Does yeah. that mean you have to do that? And, um, you know, I had some tragic, some tragic, abusive things that happened to me as a child. And I, I knew that I was supposed to forgive it based on the Bible, but also based on the Bible, I could find loopholes. Well, Peter says slavery is okay. So, I mean, Paul says slavery is okay. So, um, you know, this is like a, Tribal religion that doesn't get everything right. So, Jesus doesn't really mean for me to forgive this person who abused me. Um, but then I got into the Course of Miracles.
0: hmm. The
1: Course of Miracles leaves you no loopholes. The Course of Miracles, Jesus corners you. And eventually I got cornered to the point where I realized he's telling me I'm supposed to forgive this person who did this to me and no ifs, ands, or buts. And I got so mad, Um, I was gonna throw the book down the toilet actually, but I I belonged to this Course in Miracles study group. And there was this one woman who never missed a class and then suddenly she disappeared, didn't stop coming. We never saw her for weeks and then months. And when she finally came back, she had to buy another copy of the Course in Miracles because she'd gotten so mad had thrown the book in the Potomac River. Mm. She just wanted, you know, she wanted nothing more to do with it. It just triggered her. And then, so she came back, bought another copy, kept coming to class, and then she disappeared a second time. And eventually she came back and she had to buy another copy because she's throwing her book in the Potomac River again. So there i am realizing that that the course of miracles is telling me i'm supposed to forgive this that i had never wanted to forgive and didn't think i could and didn't see how i could and i got so angry that i I wanted to throw the book in rip the book up and throw it down the toilet but then i remembered this woman and i was like there is no way in hell i'm I'm paying a hundred dollars for this book so I put it up, I had this uh, really high bookshelf and I put it on, on the top shelf behind all the other books so that in order to, I, I wouldn't see it every day in order to, if I changed my mind, I can retrieve it, but it wouldn't accidentally, I would have to make an effort. I have to go get the, a ladder and climb up there. But every time I would walk around that wall, I could feel it waiting for me, you know? <laughs> And so eventually I gave in, got the book back and started working. And this process of forgiveness was not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried a couple of times, couldn't do it. Then I tried and and did it. But then I re- something happened, which triggered me. And I realized I had not done it. I just fooled myself. I had not actually forgiven. And then I finally was able to forgive. And um, I saw what people mean when they say that forgiveness is for you. Because it was like I, I, a huge weight lifted off of me, mm. and that's the first time I think probably that I began to see um, how the ego keeps us weighted down and and tortures us. I mean, it it mm. it it, it um, causes us to interpret and see things. In a way that guarantees suffering for ourselves, mm-hmm. and seeing through that, so that you realize it's not true,
0: yeah,
1: is how that generates true forgiveness, which is just letting it all go and um, bringing. Um, like I say, it was like it, I, it was like a huge weight got yeah. lifted off.
0: Yeah, it feels like um also the um, the heart opening eh? the
1: the heart opens yeah.
0: Yes. And you
1: see how you've been keeping it shut the whole time. Nobody was shutting my heart. Mm. The the, uh, the person who abused me had nothing to do with my heart being closed. That was all me. Mm. And so um I, you know, it's kind of like a way of taking your power back.
0: Yes, yes. Um, yeah. yes. Now you
1: have the power to affect your own change and your own healing. Yeah. Nobody's yeah. keeping you there other than yourself.
0: Yes, it's really um, also like uh, out of victim consciousness. Yeah. Which is uh, taking us our, our power back. Also, when um, we hear, uh, you know, how can God let this happen, this world and how it is, it's as if we're projecting God to be outside and separate. Eh? So we're projecting yeah. that there is a God somewhere that will take care of things, that should take care of things, should take care of me. And, yeah. and But what if God will show in this world through each of us? Letting go of this separation identity, of this idea of lack, scarcity, competition, survival, fear, all of these vibrations that we are kind of getting tired of. And uh, it seems like the world is spinning faster and faster, and there is more and more suffering. So it's like more are getting ejected of the ride because it, we can't stay in it, it's like it becomes too... Yeah. Of, so if you look
1: at the chronology of the past few years, it's it's you could look at it as things are just spiraling down and getting worse and worse. But I look at it, like you just said, things are spinning faster and it's just becoming more turbulent as it gets ready to explode upwards. And because it's it's like we're just getting, it's it, it's it going faster so that more people get more opportunities to see how the old way doesn't work. Uh-huh. And part of the waking up process for um, mass yeah. consciousness, people, a lot of people are saying how they can feel a shift coming in the mass, the collective consciousness. And I think the shift is being aided by all these apparent bad things because they just, it's happening so fast and so one after the other. Um it's like to me it's just more turbulence and more um energy to break through and push us up.
0: Yes, it's like um it feels also in myself when there was this this awakening process, everything surfaced. Like the shame, the guilt, the fear, the anger, the the distress there was like this in, more and more distress that was surfacing as if I was turned inside out and it feels like the world is turned inside out and all this ugliness is surfacing it's not repressed it's 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 on the top and um it's I'm I'm, I'm not sure that I know I don't know anything but it feels the same kind of stuff that happened on a individual level with with awakening where you have to face your shadow, you have to bring the light, bring the light to what it is that you are still doing that is creating your suffering and and that of others. It it felt like, yeah, it, it, it felt like there had to be some authentic willingness to see. Everything, <laughs> but I'm not. I'm not saying that it's easy. It's it is simple, and then maybe and 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 then when there is suffering, it's not easy, because it's we don't want to suffer. No one wants to suffer. I'm doing kind of the same thing that you're doing, Ray. But I'm doing it with emotional work. So I meet with people that are facing these energy. Because when you stop running to, to try and find happiness elsewhere, it's possible that you have to face energy in your body, that you have to sit with these energy that are not comfortable, that you've been running away from for many, many years. And so that's what I do. I sit with people with allowing this energy to arise and to just be in the, space, in the same space that you're working when you are doing sacred breathing is in the space of effortless being in non, non-judgmental non open presence without that has no opinion, well, we're not trying to do anything, we're meeting what's here.
1: Help them just by your presence and being, being there because on a, on a subconscious level at the very least, they're like, well, she's faced this and been here and set with the energy and she seems okay probably also yes probably you're like giving them subconscious reassurance it's doable,
0: yeah <laughs> yes it can be done it's doable yeah nothing will happen you will not disappear mm-hmm. you'll still be able to be yourself even more that's the beautiful gift of awakening is that you get to you can be yourself you you still live yeah. you don't retreat from life you participate it's like you participate with less barrier and less fear so there is yeah. more participation even i used to be isolated and working alone and not meeting anyone and miserable because i need connection i love connection and now i have more connection and more people in my life so so it's that's the the fruit of it huh? it's, too, it's too yeah hard. it's like
1: you, 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 yeah. You're, you're afraid of what will happen if you do it, but then are afraid of what you'll give up or what, yeah, what the price will be that you have to pay. But then, when you actually do it, you find out it's the exact opposite.
0: Yes, it's the opposite. There is no price. Yeah, it's more. The gift is more and more available. All right. So we've been. Um... Speaking here for an hour, I want to thank you so much for um, agreeing to me and speak about this. I I love um, what I feel most precious in our our conversation is to not only um, bring this to anyone looking, that there is a possibility to start to, I call it, be the detective of your experience but also even more than that to see how we can meet together from that foundation of effortlessness and non-judgment and openness and that that i feel is uh, something uh, that you mentioned in a conversation that we are learning to do this yeah i really love how you say we are learning and and it's true we're learning this new way of being together and and allowing yourself to learn, to yeah, uh, yeah to uh, discover and learn how it feels and how it is, how we can be meeting each other in this uh, different space from a different space. All right, so I will let you go. I will end the recording, but I'd like to keep you for myself for a few minutes. How's it going? Thank you for participating.
1: Thank you. I enjoyed. Thank you. I really enjoyed our conversation.
0: Me too.